gaming season in LA. It's hot outside. Yeah. Gaming season everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's um, a summer of games. Yeah, well, it's gonna, I feel like that's going to become more and more summers as the earth slowly gets hotter and hotter. And it's the only safe activity to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of a summer games fest worldwide. Yeah, that's a really positive spin on, on climate change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, guys see, you guys see what happened uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's creator? You hear about that? No, no, what happened? In the E3? What happened? He, 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 he worked for the Trump administration. Really? Yeah, yeah. His name was Jared Kushner. Whoa. Whoa, man. Who knew Jared Kushner was kind of cool, actually? Who knew Jared Kushner could design a game for children? A visionary director. Empire for children. They got books. There's probably a movie. They got a lot of shit going on with that. uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. That's true. They they got a Nick Cage ripoff. Um, Mm -hmm. What's not going on with those guys these days? My Lord. Yeah, I mean, the real story is he, he people are mad because they found out he donated a lot of money to Trump. Well, I mean, OK, here's the thing that sucks, but also like that's a inevitable. Little late. It's also like, also it's it's like a- inevitable. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> oh, my God, a guy who made a thing you like sucks. Welcome to art forever. The whole history of everything. Like, OK, mm-hmm. it's, if you don't want to support that guy, don't support that guy. But like, come on, like. Let's be adults. Like I, I, I don't know. I think it's appropriate to consider like the ten dollars that you gave to Five Nights at Freddy. That money went directly to Trump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you should feel really <laughs> bad about it. Um. And yeah. It's, honestly, you should pay that ten dollars back to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Atone for your sins in the fountains of this podcast. <laughs> All right, it's getting weird. Um, so I'm going to introduce the podcast. This is the Game Boys podcast, a podcast about video games featuring some boys. I'm one of those boys, and my name is Lux. And I'm Griffin, and we're joined, of course, by producer extraordinaire Haley. On the whoa, 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 ones and twos. And we have a return champion to the podcast, uh, my roommate and comedian, Michael Goldenberg. How are you, Michael? Doing great. How are, you, how, how are the other Game Boys? I'm doing good. I'm hearing you... Uh, about a half a second before in the kitchen, and then I'm hearing you on on Discord a little bit louder a half second later, and uh, it's incredible. It's it's booming in here. I mean, in some ways, you get the joy of having a double Goldenberg experience, which, like, mm-hmm. as someone who's who's over a year removed from even a single Goldenberg experience, I gotta admit, I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah, Griffin doesn't really uh, notice like the you know the privileged position. He's been put in. Yeah. It's kind of like a check your privilege, Griffin. You've got unlimited Goldenberg. Yeah. And some of us are out here in Austin with none. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No one in Austin has ever had a position of Goldenberg. I've never been to Austin. <laughs> yeah. I'm so only think about that entire has, city. Yeah. I look out the window and I think all of these sad, pathetic people and they look mm-hmm. at me and they cry out for Goldenberg and I say, no. Have you, yeah, um, you guys big uh, Twin Peaks fans? Uh, yes, I, I am. I don't know if I, I can't speak for Griffin's. Griffin's is, uh, so the, look, the, look, the opening about three episodes like of Twin Peaks, the return <laughs> um, before Agent Cooper, the main guy, comes back to the world. The world is just horribly stark and depressing and awful. And once yeah. more people start interacting with Agent Dale Cooper, the world gets brighter and livelier and more whimsical and gets more similar to the old uh Twin Peaks. And I feel like Austin is now in that episodes one through three stage. Yeah. Where just I'm not there. So everything is kind of dark and dreadful. But maybe right. one day. Yeah, maybe one day things will perk up around this uh, sort of grayscale hellscape that I live in without you. Um, So 
before we talk, so, okay, just to let everyone know, we're going to talk about E3 for like 90% of this episode. It's E3 times. Uh, we're e excited. Um, it's going to be very cool. But before we get into that, uh, what have y'all, have y'all been playing anything new, anything interesting? I know Griffin, you got a game you've been poking at a little bit. I've been poking at a game. I've been poking at uh, a little game called uh, Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart. It is really fucking awesome, guys. It is. Michael sees it. So pretty. I downloaded it. Um, okay. Oh, actually, this is fun. This is a fun excuse for you to think I'm an idiot. Um, I downloaded it on my Wi-Fi because I couldn't get my Ethernet cord working and I couldn't figure out why. And about two minutes before I recorded, I it's figured out. It's a complicated out, device. Two minutes before I recorded, I figured out why. It's that I swapped the podcast Ethernet with the regular Ethernet cord and just never put it back. I thought that I had. And I just what never. Is the, well, you have a lesser Ethernet cable. I have a 20 foot Cat 8 that I use for working in my work zone, which is where I do the podcast and all my work stuff. And then I have the a cat. Then I have a yes. I'm sitting on the toilet. Um, my red, my red bathroom with a whiteboard, <laughs> classic toilet setup. <laughs> it's a, it's a big large. Yeah, the bathroom. It's not. A, it's not meant to be a bathroom, but you had a toilet installed. Yeah, you know, exactly. If an, I, if an used, idea strikes, you got to have a whiteboard to write it down, no matter where you are. Well, see, that's never happened. But I do use the whiteboard to check out to keep track of my Bristol School Start chart scale, like my scores. Steady hmm. fours, fours every day. Um, hmm. But yeah, no. So I have my work thing and I they're on the same router. And so I thought after our episode last week, I'd switched it back so I could do downloads again. And I was like, I lost. I got like actually angry. I was like, the fuck is this cord working? What the fuck is going on? It turns out I just learned. I just never plugged it in. But I finally got Ratchet and Clank about an hour ago after 30 hours of Wi-Fi downloading. And it looked just it looks great. It looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> worth it yeah. definitely worth it that that and i'll say it guys the 70 dollar price tag it's also worth it it is unlike anything i've ever seen before it is so graphically stunning that sometimes it's hard to look at yeah it's um i'm never one of those people who's like no i can't when i interact with this thing it doesn't respond to my presence you know like those kind of like really low like like specific graphical complaints but that game looks so good that i actually do have those like i'm like why don't everything looks beautiful why doesn't this tree move when i run into it um and that kind of stuff but like that's such a minor critique and it's only a critique i have because of how beautiful every other element of the game is i mean i played an hour but every element i've played so far is fucking unbelievable yeah it's a solid platformer and uh it feels really good with the ps5 controller and i think it's just it's like the first game where i'm like this is the game that you buy when you get a ps5 yeah this is the this is the christmas gift for sure um uh michael michael you've been playing anything aside from watching griffin play ratchet and clank i actually have uh, in the last, oh, Griffin's very yeah. happy about this. In the last three or four days, I've gotten uh, knee deep in Bloodborne. Whoa, okay. I've All never right. played a uh, From Software game. I got really into. I was like a huge, huge Cuphead fan. Right, I remember that that era. And I was never really into like like super hard games, but I really loved Cuphead. And then Griffin finally convinced me to play Bloodborne, and uh, I'm doing it, loving it. I've concurrently also developed a, uh, a strong uh, respect for piss pigs. <laughs> I think I feel like I understand more now what a piss pig goes through and likes and appreciates. And uh, I, as far as Blood Quince, Bloodborne is concerned, am now a uh, piss pig myself. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, piss pigs I love the punishment for sure. I live for it. It follows the arc of a piss pig to ultimately go mm-hmm. stronger and stronger. 
Yeah, and yet still constantly be getting peed on and treated like shit. With the yeah, fighting but when you start dogs. out the game, it's like yeah. you got these guys and they're just wrecking you. I'm like disgusted. I'm disgusted with this game that's like killing me so much. Disgusted with myself. But I start to figuring out how to maybe dodge the piss or maybe appreciate the piss and learn from the piss. And the piss kind of stays on me in a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. now I can't go without the piss. The only thing that can really teach right. me is the failure is being pissed on. Right. It's like you, a, you understand the core loop. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You get uh, peed on, you wipe the pee off, and then it kind of becomes a spiritual thing such that the pee never really mm-hmm. leaves. It just kind of lives inside you like kind of like a holy ghost. It's exactly. a spiritual thing for me to 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 get to sort of watch someone become a soul's player and a soul's appreciator and to sort of let them know early on, like someone did for me, that you can do this, that it's going to be OK. And that if you put your head down and you, it, you will understand and unlock the formula and it's beautiful to see it happen. I love to just sit back and watch. It's great. It's incredible. Yeah, and I, I, that's, that's one of the things I love too is like i fed read this like the notes that like other players leave and a huge majority of them just like you know be the hunter and me the good blood guy kind of like fun stuff like that but every once in a while you just see someone outside of a really hard level you just see you can do this or don't give up and it is like incredibly heartwarming (laughs) that's like some real like hunter x hunter shown in anime shit where like they're outside of like some big evil assassin's tower and there's like a dead skeleton that was like, don't give up, like written in its blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's yeah, like it's a well, weird there's thing. a solidarity you can, to you can, that. You can um, view the specters. You're seeing all these people die. So like if you're in a hard fight and you keep losing, there's kind of a camaraderie you feel. You see all these other people lost too, right? Um, I'm not far in the game. I just beat Father Gascoigne. Uh last nice. night he's like the second boss with griffin's help griffin was coaching me throughout it uh he's like the guy in like the corner of a boxing ring where like every time he changed form griffin would like throw a towel over me and like check and take out my mouth guard and stuff right take take the take the ice thing and and bring down yeah. the swelling stitch the stitch the cuts yeah. a little bit of steroids and uh, yeah, we griffin, got how him. does it feel to be a gaming coach <laughs> it feels good i i like to do it but it's only when people want it because a lot of people don't like when i give them gaming notes but like you know when people play like overwatch or warzone or this you know i I love to throw little tips here or there i love to i love to you know make people feel better at the game because you know what folks it's fun to be good at the game yeah that does seem cool um i've taught children how to read but nothing quite as rewarding as teaching my uh late 20s early 30s roommate how to play video games i i I taught children how to turn the subtitles off Okay. It's the opposite of reading. I'm trying to figure out, like, is that were they watching it in English? It didn't matter. Or were they watching it in like Japanese, and now they just don't know what's going on in My Hero Academia? It's a they got they got a Pokemon version in the states early, and they're just going off context clues. Oh man! Speaking of that, that's that's a great segue to the game that I've been playing, which is a PSTV fan translation of Zero no Kiseki, which is one of the Trails games, the ones that aren't weren't released in America. The reason that is a good segue mm -hmm. is that PSTV is the STD that you that you can't get tested for. It's like dormant. Yeah, but it is. It's like um, it also does unlock the ability to play old JRPGs on your television. So it's like a worth. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those trades. 
Um, but the reason that's a good segue is because the fans who translated this did not unlock all the unlockable content in this game before they translated it. So there are some very deep side quests that you can find that are entirely in Japanese <laughs> in the that game that I feel am extra side and it makes it really <laughs> difficult. Um, I, I don't, <laughs> use, awesome. I don't use walkthroughs usually, but I have to for this game because there's like, I'll walk into a building. Mm. Someone will say one shit in Japanese. Don't know what that says. I'll press <laughs> enter. It'll be like quest accepted. And then I'm like, cool. I don't know what it means. And my quest notebook mm-hmm. will also be in Japanese. And so I just right. be like, okay, I'm just going to like look up a walkthrough and find like, the quest where you go to the bakery and then like just look at what I'm supposed to fucking do here because all I see is Japanese and uh, it's been very fun because um, most of the so game you're is just not, so you're just going to not learn Japanese you're just going to go the easy route uh, look look it up you know I thought about popping a Duolingo and just pausing this game for I don't know I guess two three years like learn how to read um, but I kind of want to finish it and move on to the next thing so I haven't been but I haven't played a real serious fan translation in a long time and I forgot how goofy sometimes they get like with um, there was a great one last night that I actually meant to send to you where there's a conversation and then there's a mistranslation of a line but a guy who's putting on clothes and looking good and his friend goes why don't you just become a guy who wears glasses when this is all over, which is not what it's supposed to be. Um, <laughs> and that was, that one's great. Uh, I love how every time you do a good job, it says, Hey, keep up the good job. Um, a yeah, nice yeah. little, a nice little blend of phrases. Like there's all kinds of weird little quirks that are like, it's not like, haha, these idiots don't know how to speak English. It's just like this fun, like it feels weird and feels DIY in that way. And that's a fan translation. Oftentimes, people paid by companies are doing similar levels of work, as <laughs> we saw in some E3 trailers. Okay, and bam, um, wow, we're segueing like geniuses. Tell me about that trailer. Let's get into fucking E3. Let's talk EEE. Dude, listen, dude. I'm just, I'm just doing my improv 101 classes. You know, we're, we're going, we're go, we're connecting here. Yeah, we're you yes know? and. We're, we're in the moment. We're listening. We're doing it. So the, this is the first time I've listened to you on the podcast. Yeah, and I can tell. The energy's really good. <laughs> so basically, E3 guys, I'm gonna lead both of you through it. Feel free to interject at any time. But there was, um, you know, uh, low expectations from Lux on the podcast yes. about E3 going into it. I got him a little excited. Um, and But I'm interested to see sort of his takeaways as we kind of review the major stuff, which just ended this afternoon with the Nintendo Showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a few other ones before that. There was Summer Games Fest, Ubisoft, Xbox and Bethesda, and Square Enix. Yes. Now, um, we should start with Summer Games Fest. Okay. Uh, that was the beginning one. And at first I was like, what is Summer Games Fest? Like, what does that mean? Is this just like where all the troll games go? Like, what is what does this mean exactly? And it turned out to be like one of the best like ways to kick off the show. Um, and one of the high points, because because fucking real early on in the gates, we get a fucking trailer to Elden Ring. Yeah, uh, I did not expect the timeline to pop off that early in E3 the way that it did. I was just minding my business, doing some reading about American exceptionalism and Nazis for work. And all of a sudden, Twitter going crazy with Elden Ring trailers. Um, and man, it looks good as shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it looks so good that Michael started playing the Dark Souls games. Is that what what got you into it? 
it was I was thinking about it for a long time and I see this Elden Ring thing and it looks very cool. But honestly, it was more like it looks like any other you know, visually for the most part, it looks like any other like medieval RPG. I thought like the horror stuff, like the monsters looked kind of cool, intriguing. I always have. But just the amount of excitement people showed, it was like it really just like kind of hit me watching that trailer. Like, I was oh, so like, facing. I'm, I'm missing out on something. Like I got, I I better just get in on this now, uh, and I did. And so far, I love it. But you know, check back with me in two levels and see if I hate it and myself again. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a cool reveal. Um, I think it says we'll get into this a little more. At least my opinion of it. But it does say a little bit about E three that the biggest moment of all of E three was a trailer for a game we already knew was coming. Um, in terms yeah, of surprises and big events and big moments. I think you and I might have some similar feelings about that because I, I also have, yes. Um, I also am not super stoked that for a lot of people, E3 popped its main load at the very beginning, but Elden Ring looks fucking awesome. Um, it looked a little bit more, not a lot, cause it was very much showcasing the dark souls of it all in the trailer, but it, it looks like a lot a like dark souls. More yeah, it definitely does. But it looked like it had a little more humanity than Dark Souls in terms of like interaction and mm-hmm. things and places. Like it doesn't look quite so dead. Um, and that's a little a, bit of second row in terms of getting to talk to more characters. Yeah, yeah, and that's very intriguing to me from the George R. R. Martin's involved perspective, right? Like, I th- yeah. And there's also like this clear major new design or like mechanic, which is the, the horse. Yeah, and like the fact that you can ride a mount and that it apparently can do some sort of air jump, like is just like I don't know what any of that means. But like mount bosses in Dark Souls, that's a first. That's like really big. And yeah, you know, it looks like dark souls four and how is that a bad thing right i ask anyone it's just not it's incredible and it's coming out at a decent amount of time and they just unloaded footage on it i don't need to see another thing i don't need to see another clip or trailer until it comes out now and it happened at the beginning of the conference it's like we won early and everything else was like who gives a fuck at this point i'm happy i'm set for sure now what is it what do we think souls Sorry, what do we, so what do we think it's going to be like then? So if we're not, for, as an outsider hearing about the, the, the From Software and the Souls-like stuff, it seems like the general consensus is after Demons, the original Demon Souls, they've gotten a little bit progressively easier as time has gone on, a more kind of, um, I guess, approachable. And then apparently that kind of got reversed with Sekiro, which is apparently, as Griffin put, for big boys and is the hardest one so do we think it's going to be more in the vein of that where it's unbelievably punishing it's be or do you think it's going to be really accessible it's going to be like dark souls 3 yeah it's going to be accessible except that there is an inherently challenging like design philosophy behind these games mm-hmm. right like i mean i talked we talked about this a lot of podcast a million times but these aren't games where you beat shit by leveling your character and grinding getting stats you beat shit by getting better at the physical act of doing the game and like the mental acuity necessary to do it. And there is a point at which that does make it inaccessible to, to a large number of people. But like, I think on that scale, like once you assume that that's true, it's going to be on the easier end than the other end. Like there's no, you don't get anything by being like the guy who made Game of Thrones made our game that only 12 people want to play because it's so hard. Like you don't get anything out of that. So like, I think mm-hmm. the Martin influence is going to make it on the easier side of things, but it's still going to be from software. It's still going to be a mechanical challenge. It's still going to be fun. And even if it is just, Dark Souls 4 with horses 
and a little it's bit more dialogue. It's still be a 10 out of 10, That baby. still fucking bangs. It still bangs, dude. It still bangs. Yeah. But moving on, that was so hot that I was like, I'm just happy now. I got everything I wanted. I got a fat-ass trailer. And so there were some other Summer Games Fest things, though, that did raise an eyebrow. Uh, we have Death Stranding Director's Cut. Yeah, uh, that game, the one thing that game needed was more. <laughs> was, yeah, definitely, definitely not my number one complaint being like how long this game overstayed its welcome for. Uh, but the the trailer was fun because it's literally him just getting in a box like Metal Gear Solid and just <laughs> sitting in the box, which I thought was very trolly and fun. Uh, they have a Jurassic World game coming out. Yes. Uh, probably gonna suck. Don't know why I'd play it really yet. Wait, was that that's I saw an ad for Jurassic World game that was like a management sim thing. Mm. Was that is that not this? It's oh. called Jurassic World Evolution Two. I never heard of Jurassic World Evolution One, so obviously there's some kind of precedent for this. But the tra- it's like a CG trailer. It doesn't um. make it at all clear what type of game it is. Yeah, I, th- I think that it is a management sim type game. Well, if that's the case, then I'm down. I'm down to manage. Um, but yeah. if it's some sort of just like medium tier shooter or something, no. I'm like, get out, of, get out of here. This is, and I think this might be a recurring pattern, one of the weird games no one else cared about that I got excited for um, because it's a management sim. Like the idea of man, like a formative video game experience for me as a kid was going to my friend's house and playing uh, Dino Park Tycoon. Mm-hmm. On a shitty old computer for like hours. And so the idea of that, but ratcheted all the fucking way up to be like. What a freaking loser, right, guys? Yeah, I mean, hey, look, here we are. No, management um, sims. I'm all with Lux. Real- I'm all with Lux and management sims. I'm also deep in a game called Planet Coaster by Frontier Games, who's a company that made uh, the Tycoon yep. games. Mm-hmm. Uh, righteous game. Yeah. Yep. Top that's, 10. That's because both of you are part of the uh, PMC, professional managerial class. Yeah. Well, uh, Planet- I am. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I I am the uh, I'm the pro gamer Terriot. Yeah, that's uh, true. I mean, R- Rowdy Burns, a uh, friend of the show, Strava user extraordinaire. Um, <laughs> Griffin's face visibly fell as I said that. Um, is a big Planet Coaster fan. Um, I've actually been playing a different management sim called Wizard Academy or Sorcerer Academy or something, where you manage a Hogwarts. It's very fun, very good game. Mm. Okay, all right, guys, we got to keep moving. You get we we're gonna do interjections, but we got to we got to we got we we get, we didn't have takes on the big ones. We got to keep moving. All right, uh, th- there was an Among Us sus. <laughs> trailer uh and they're like now we're doing 15 people and i have to just wonder i haven't checked the streams in a while but i'm like is this is this game going to be around for another year and i hope it's i hope the answer is no i feel like the streaming of that game died with the travis mcelroy freak out i feel like that brought such an unfun vibe to the idea of streaming that game that it has just like deteriorated like ever since then drummer from blink 182 no that's travis parker Parker. I'm talking about Travis McElroy. Uh, you saw the video, right? Where he was just like, uh, when I play, we don't, we take it seriously. We don't just vote people off as a goof. We do it seriously. He was trying to win. And it was just like, man, you made this game like suck. I didn't even hate the way this game, the way Griffin Sounds hated like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, that's fair. Uh, maybe you got something in common, but I fucking, that shit made me so mad. I was like, this game, because my favorite, my favorite Among Us memory of all time is everyone just voting off Bennington twice in a row just for fun. Oh, that was sucks. fun. That was fun. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Um, so, like, why would you get rid of that? Fuck that, dude. Travis McElroy, get on, get out of here. 
I, don't know, I have a feeling that's going to be kind of like a similar thing to like Five Nights at Freddy's because a lot of kids are really into it. Like they have like the very easily identifiable characters. There could be a lot of merch, but there's going to be books. There's going to be a fucking Netflix TV show or some shit, I'm sure. Uh, I think we might be in the long yeah, haul yeah. with Among Us. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you could be right, and, but and just like Five Nights at Freddy's, it's going to be like, oh no, it's made by the Ayn Rand Institute. Uh, so, oh, Derek uh, Hitler made this game. <laughs> Listen, if you had to go back in time and stop Derek Hitler from making that game, would you rather go back and stop his grandpa Adolf? But if I had to, if, if I had to choose one, I might pick Derek. Um, you only have two options. Which one is more destructive to humanity? Uh, okay, moving on. Stranger Things game. Everyone get epic and and uh, absolutely, absolutely awesome. Uh, some Stranger Things bullshit. Uh, some uh, what 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 else? What else is here? Was there anything else in summer games? I'm sc- I'm scrolling, but it's my my computer's freezing. Uh-huh. Uh, Overwatch two had a little glimpse. Lol, get the fuck out of here. Uh, now that Jeff Kaplan is gone, y'all are fucked. And also, still, you guys aren't doing the battle pass system, which you desperately need to do at this point. Yeah, I mean, I have very few thoughts on Overwatch two, but it sounds like it sucks, and nothing happened that made anyone think it's not going to suck. It's like an update that they're making people pay sixty dollars for. Yeah, very cool. And without Battle Pass, those fools. Some other people, though, had some much smarter ideas for multiplayer later in this thing. But that was Summerfest. Honestly, Elden Ring got me so stoked that I was like, I don't care what happens the rest of this conference, which leads us into day two, which was Ubisoft. Yeah, all right. Um, and they started off with a little game called uh, Rainbow Six Extraction. Uh, it originally was called Rainbow Six Quarantine. And they had to change that uh, last month. Um, it's boring. Uh, there's going to be some weird guys playing it. Who cares? The only I can we just fast. So they had the Mario Rabbits thing. That's fine. The only thing about the Ubisoft shit I want to talk about is the Avatar game. OK, let's okay. talk about Avatar game then. Um, I Why want, is it happening? I want it. <laughs> yes. I agree. <laughs> I fucking I want to I I want to explore Pandora. I want to explore the frontiers of Pandora brought to me by James Cameron on my PlayStation 5. Yeah, yeah you know, sp- people give Ubisoft a lot of a lot of a lot of crud for all their games kind of having a very similar layout and format. I want to just design my own Navi, run around Pandora and have a massive checklist of things to do and slowly check off all those things. That sounds like a great summer if you ask me. Maybe have right. a heartwarming see, environmental what, story in the middle. Who knows? Griffin Griffin shaking his head, um, and I want to hear why. But first, I would, like I the Ubisoft formula makes sense to me if you're radically changing settings. If you're staying in like pretty similar settings every time, it just doesn't work for me. Like it's just like, is Assassin's Creed and Odyssey really that different from Valhalla? Really that different from Italy or whatever? Like. They're just very samey and same with all their stuff. Um, so that's I'm kind of excited to just like run around fucking a brand new kind of place. Like, what's it like to Assassin's Creed jump out of the heart tree? Like, mm-hmm. I'd love to know. Um, but Griffin, yeah, are you going to fly you... those birds? Are you going to be able to like do like, the cool like the traversal could be really fun? Oh, you have to. Who knows? You got to. You got to be able to. Griffin, you seem yeah. bummed that we're happy about this. <laughs> what's going I on? I just think I just think that. Avatar deserves better than Ubisoft. I just think <laughs> than Ubisoft. I just think 
I just think that Ubisoft is going to do this poorly. I think that they are going to make a game that is boring. And I think that I am personally am sick of the way that they make their open world games and there should be new innovations. And also Ubisoft is the company that demands and insists that it never makes a political game. Avatar is the a, most political film of all time. Well, that's not true. It but is it's a political politics, text. and it is my pol- politics. And uh, to have it be in the filthy corporate hands of a, you know, of of, of a pig that I disrespect, I'm. I don't. I, I. We need a real director to work with Cameron. Okay. To the, really bring out the vision, I don't need literally like, oh, we used the map from Far Cry Primal and we turned it blue. That's fair, but it, counterpoint, they're pretty good at jumping and climbing in Ubisoft games. Yes. And come on, if you're doing Avatar, you just want to do some jumping and some climbing. Yeah, so you jumping and climbing, yeah. And I think in terms of the political stuff, like all these major companies clearly have bad politics, right? Just Ubisoft is kind of a bit more embarrassing because it tries to convince you it does it more so than the other ones, but like... You know, grand total, I don't think Ubisoft is politically that much worse of a company. They do apparently have like rampant sexual harassment, right? Wasn't that a thing that happened in the last year? Yeah, but that's that's universal in gaming stuff. I think I think where I do agree with Griffin is that like they'll probably we might not get a heartwarming environmental plot line in the middle. Uh, at least not like a cool anti-corporate one. We might just get like, we got to save the tree from the worms, um, which is like fine. Um, I just want to jump and climb and that they're going to jump and climbing, which is why I'm excited about it. But I think you make right, a good boys. point that it's not the most like creative studio to do it. Yeah, it's just not not creative and it just feels like it's like designed to like not be as interesting as it could be. Yeah. Uh, regardless, uh, you know, I just uh, Cameron deserves better. Moving on, that was Summer Games Fest. There's also, of course, oh wait, no, sorry, that, that was, was Ubisoft. We're still on Ubisoft. There's one last thing, Far Cry Six. I just could not give less of a shit about this franchise. Yeah, who care? Yeah, I mean, every Ubisoft thing. That's why I just skipped Avatar because, like, every Ubisoft thing was fast forwardable to me. There was like nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, um, th- I, mean, I, 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 mean, I don't look, understand what the philosophy of the, of the far, them marking the Far Cry is because Far Cry really blew up with Far Cry Three, where it had like you know the fun, you know psycho killer villain but what's so great about far cry 3 is like how it worked and how you moved around the island and all the outposts and all the stuff you could do right it's kind of of its time around 2012 and they had all that design and their takeaway was oh we need a uh, flamboyant villain we need a big villain to speechify throughout this game that's what all these games are and they all look exactly the same and they're trying really hard to make me afraid of this big villain and i just yawn and i just think about bloodborne yeah. Well, I mean, this is a, a curse of game of game sequels that oftentimes they choose the easiest to replicate element as the thing that is what defines the series as opposed to like the actual shit that defines the series. It feels like the Call of Duty of like island adventure action games. It's just like, <laughs> oh, just Apple C, Apple V, copy paste. Yeah. Like I, I just I can't get excited for them. And also, I really just want to like talk to Juan Carlo. What, what's his name? Juan Giancarlo Carlo Esposito. Uh, John Carlo Esposito, the actor. Yeah, I want to call his agent and say, mix it up. <laughs> like, like, uh, come on. I know we've seen this guy do the same evil guy bit a million times. I know he's good at playing bad guys, but let's mix it up here. If you need like, to talk to him, is, 
I do know what where what cafe he likes to go to near his summer home. If you want a place to go find I, him and ask him some questions, I will charter a plane directly there after this episode because I feel strongly about this that he's an incredible actor. But now when I see him do the same bit, it literally like ruins the project for me because I'm just like this is just so same same. I see this in every movie. Sure. Um, anyways, Far Cry 6, uh, we love you. Um, the last thing I want to say is put some respect on Mario and Rabbids, yeah. the Mario XCOM. The first one was great, and it came out on a time for the Switch where we were desperate for games for the Switch. It was like a drought, and it had no reason to be good. And it was not only pretty good, but also really hard. Um, and I, I think I, I ended up, you know, those Rabbids, those stupid fucking Rabbids, they ended up worming their way into my heart a little bit yeah i mean i'm not mad that they're making it i just like it's you know it'll be fun it's the it, this is a whole other tangent but like it's you it, it seems obvious that tactics rpgs and tactics shooters are like a genre everybody loves but like, they never fucking make them for some reason mm-hmm. um everyone loves capcom everyone loves mario rabbits they're making a tactics uh they're making everyone loves final fantasy tactics they're making fire emblem they're making a tactics uh metal slug like it's happening. There's not enough of them. So I'm glad for this one to come out. It's just like nothing about it. Like mega pops me in a real way. Cause it's just like, mm-hmm. I've done a Mario Rabbids XCOM once. Right. I'll probably do it and, again, and but uh. so, so that was Ubisoft and it was like, eh, okay, but kind of boring. No one got really excited about that. And then it was Xbox and Bethesda's turn. And this was the day of E3 that I would describe to both of you as like, cope this was the day where i saw the most cope for certain fans specifically x boneheads mm-hmm. like the people who tr- like were trying to make it seem like xbox started a revolution that day that the games pass was proven to be the most insane deal in gaming and that it was going to obliterate the next generation with this deal to which i say Maybe, but probably not. I mean, there just wasn't any games. And so at the end of the day, I'm left thinking, you know, if they want people to buy a console that has no exclusives for the next two or three years, then $10 a month actually is the value of their platform. Like, I don't think it is a deal. I think that actually is an accurate pricing of what this value is right now i don't think there's anything worth 70 dollars to play on the xbox right now and there won't be for years yeah i mean the, some of the stuff they showed redfall looked kind of cool stalker looked kind of fine um the starfield leak was very dope but it, like you're saying like none of that's a reason to buy an xbox today or even next or even this christmas or even potentially next christmas like there's it was just like eventually there might be some cool stuff, which is neat, but not compelling, but not enough to make me pay ten dollars for the next three years until anything interesting happens. So anyways, getting into some specifics, they released uh, a trailer for Starfield, which is the most awaited game of all time. Um, and uh, they're saying it will be out in, in winter of 2022. Uh, maybe I doubt that, um, especially if we're not seeing any footage or gameplay right now. Depends which end of winter um, they mean. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I just can't get super excited about it. If it's good, it's good. Not enough for me to get an Xbox. What do you think, Michael? Uh, I mean, I think it, I thought it was a pretty big deal that it was Xbox exclusive. I mean, if you're assuming this is a Todd Howard game, this is 
being lined up to be the next, you know, Fallout, which at this point seems like a little bit of a tarnished brand or Elder Scrolls. Um, I think it being exclusive, I think it's a big thing. Uh, the Game Pass, I, I'm a little more optimistic about Game Pass than you guys seem to be. Um, although my anything I say, uh, game boys and girls and uh, take with the game a grain of salt because I was on the 2018 Game Boys E3 recap and I emphatically stated multiple times that Cyberpunk 2077 was the game of show and going to be one of the best games ever. So that being said, <laughs> no, no one was going to mention no one was going to mention that. <laughs> I was all go back and check that out. I think it was 2018 E3 I was all in on Cyberpunk and I have yet to I play it. Even. That's correct. But uh you know the Game Pass, <laughs> my little brother has Game Pass and it's pretty great. You get a lot of stuff for that $10 a month. Uh, especially, you know, if you think when Starfield comes out, right? Let's say you wait till 2022 to get an Xbox. Pay $10, get that, what was it, $500? Pay an extra 10 you get Starfield, you get everything that's come out since then, including like, who knows if Elden Ring will be on there at that point, whatever they announce. Like, you're going to get a lot of stuff for $10 a month. So we'll see how it, how it pans out. We'll see how many people actually buy it. I think at this point, it just seems like, after the last generation, PS4 is just so much more prevalent than like Xbox One or whatever it's called. Right. So I don't know. They got to take a big swing. They had to take a big swing. They're taking a big swing. So I'm, I'm all in. See how it, how it pans out. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is a it definitely is a big swing. It's interesting. It's just like even what you said, even like your positive accounting of it is like, yeah, in a couple of years, you might be able to play a lot of cool games for ten dollars a month, which is true and could be really sweet. But that's like that trade. That's a trade off, right? Inevitably, with like I can play Ratchet and Clank in thirty minutes when we're done recording or whatever. Um, <laughs> and like yeah. that's just a different a different dynamic of like what you're getting out of the system. Yeah, you theoretically you'd want more games out. I'm sure they were really you know hoping for Halo to be out by now. Uh, it was like supposed to come out, I think, last fall, and it got delayed a whole year, and it might even get delayed further. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think down the stretch, I mean, play, PlayStation doesn't have that mind. What does PlayStation have? They had Demon Souls. It kind of came and went. Uh, they have this Ratchet and Clank, which is fun, but it's not something that people are going to be playing for like months. You know what I oh. mean? It seems like it's kind of more of a tech demo. And then what does PS5 <laughs> have on the horizon? Well documented on this podcast that Griffin and I think the PS5 is fucking up a lot of stuff. Um, but they have, you know, well, we can talk about what they have on the horizon because some of that's actually in this in this next uh, next set of things. If we want to keep rolling, uh, no, because I was politely waiting to talk. <laughs> okay, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I, no, no, I was just trying to respond. I was just saying that, like, the last thing I want to say ab- about all of that is like, well, while Michael thinks it's a good deal, yeah, I am saying. I'm saying it is an accurately priced deal, but it's also a deal that really only works for people who haven't like played video games in like 10 years and are like catching up because it's access to like old games. So anyone who's a passionate gamer, none of this stuff really matters because you've played most of those titles already that are available. Um, And and I just want to say like the reaction to that day was way, yeah. way, way overhyped. And they were acting like it was like movie pass or something, like something that couldn't possibly exist. And like the thing about movie pass, at least in the very beginning, was that like, yeah, you could see a fuck ton of movies for really cheap. That got complicated later. But it's like, that's not necessarily the reality of right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, totally. Our friend Rory is playing the Xbox and loves it, but that's because Rory's never played Xbox games. 
So mm-hmm. right. like playing Banjo Kazooie, he's playing all the old Halos, he's playing Forza, all this stuff. He never actually before. Mm-hmm. If that's your situation, it's a fucking great deal. But if you're yeah. a dork like me or Griffin, and you had friends with Xboxes, you had an Xbox yourself or whatever, and you played a lot of those games, it just seems like I'm paying a lot of money for what will be cool in two years, uh, as opposed right. to okay. so, PS5, which is paying a lot of money for something that's cool right now. Right. Last couple little things from this one, though, still, even though they're like it was largely boring. Um, Battlefield 2042 actually looked pretty crazy just graphically. <laughs> yeah. It was like these giant storms were blowing people mm-hmm. around and, and it looked really, really cool. I probably won't play it. There's a little indie called 12 Minutes. Uh, it's another like, you know, Annapurna, that film company, they yep. keep on making these like little like indie titles. This one is t- shot entirely from like the ceiling looking down at an apartment and it's like a loop where you do weird shit. It's got some actors in it. That one seemed interesting. Um, and then finally the thing that people are still trying to like, this is, this game is just so much cope guys. Halo infinite. Um, it just looked really, really, really bland. Like, why are we still doing this? But the main thing that's really important and surprising and fascinating is that they are releasing the multiplayer side of the game for free with a battle pass, which I think is genius. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I think that's I think it's genius for one big reason. And and uh, I'm sure you're keyed into this, but like I think that the polarity of how people get into multiplayer is reversed now in modern times. Right. Like it's not. I play in a world single player, get into the lore, want to show it to my friends, explore it together, play multiplayer. It's I play a multiplayer game with my friends like the setting we're doing that in. Then I want to get into the lore and play the single player. Mm -hmm. Campaign is very much an afterthought to a lot of people who play shooters now. Yeah. And so now they give you that option still, which is nice, but it's not. But even even the way they presented it, it was like multiplayer first and then like campaigns, like epic campaign second. And that's the whole thing. I, I got weird vibes from this game. Remember, like, oh, the, the Halo 5, when that came out, like, what, six years ago, had this pretty, you know, pretty viscerally bad response because they, you played as, like, another guy, and there's all this other stuff, and, like, Cortana's, like, the villain and stuff, like, doing all these risks. And then when you watch that big demo that came out last summer, it's it seems like they made an entire video game out of the first level of the first Halo. It's like, oh, remember that level you like? It's a whole game of that. That's it. It's everything you want. Everything you you know before you like. It just it just seems so. I think it's just they didn't have any more to show. And lame and boring. <laughs> I don't know. I got, I was so bored. I got I'm so bored by Halo. I, mean, which I think is to your point, Michael. It did, it feels like a so much of the game feels like just like a shadow of a shadow. Like they're just like just doing what people what they think people will like, rather than having a creative vision that is like focused and pure. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just been pathetic to see them do these campaigns with the character. Um, if I was from the original Bungie crew, I would cringe at having to see these campaigns from them. Um, but I, I do want to say the multiplayer looked like just classic Halo with all the fun weapons from all the games, all the different vehicles. And, you know, if there's like a, a Halo game that's the modern one and there's a battle pass where I can like get some fun skin for my guy and run around as like a weird looking master chief or something with my friends and it's a free game. That's cool. That's super cool. And I think that is the really interesting direction to take the game. So um, I definitely will be playing the multiplayer to check it out. Um, But that was all of the games that I want to mention from Xbox. Everything else is pretty boring, except unless if you like Forza, Forza looked pretty, pretty. Shouts out to Rowdy again. 
Um, Outer Worlds 2 got a, just a kind of a troll trailer announcement. I'm glad they're still making games. I'll probably play that. But that was Xbox. Um, and that was Game Pass. And moving on, we had Square Enix Day. And uh, this was the day of chaos. <laughs> um, I want to talk instantly about the number one game from, from that conference. Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. You it know seems it. like... Seems like there's everyone's making their own Dark Souls these days and Final Fantasy decided to get in the mix um, and it's chaos. Yeah, I part of me wants to be excited about this, right? Like it's got all like the weird high fantasy bullshit shit that I like. It's I'm so mad. I'm fucking furious. I don't give give me Final Fantasy fucking 16. I don't give a shit about your like fake from software game. Mm-hmm. I like I don't. I love you Square Enix. I buy almost everything that you make, but like I'm not I'm it not looks like a mobile. PS2 game. Yeah, I'm just not I mean, sure, the graphics never even bothered. It's just like it's Oh, it just feels like such a waste. Like you have the franchise, like of all franchises, you have like one of the game franchises that pops <laughs> everyone every time. And we know it's coming. You were, it was in the fucking PS5 rollout video. I saw that weird guy and all of his weird kind of like English countryside settings. Like I know it exists. So why do I get fucking nothing at E3? That was our whole E3 preview episode was about how excited I was for what I thought was an inevitable Final Fantasy 16 reveal. And I just didn't get it. And it made me so fucking mad. Uh, I mean, that game's far away. I know. Yeah, but I think like, give I've, me something. I've, I think both that and the seven. Re- I'm I, I'm excited for Final Fantasy 16 even more so for uh, seven remake part two, uh, and then whatever ten other names they decide to put on it at the end. But uh, I had no I had no hope those were going to be shown at all. I think those are both like at minimum two years away. Um, the. the Final Fantasy Souls, I mean, fine, whatever. I will say, since playing Bloodborne the past week, having them have, like, a Bloodborne-esque Souls-like game, but then still having their weird, cheesy, like, quippy dialogue uh, doesn't really work. It feels like it'd be really strange if you're playing one of these games and then there's people like, hey, nice one, or better better keep up, that type of thing. Like, if, if someone was saying that to me in Bloodborne, I'd I'm fucking here lose it. chaos. I heard chaos was here. <laughs> I'm here to suck chaos's dick. <laughs> and that's what we know. That's kind of, that's canonically confirmed to be a plot point of this. It's just, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited about the Square Enix thing, but it's just like, man, that really took the fucking wind out of my sails. E3 wise, just not getting I just like a, a fucking photograph, man. From Final Fantasy 16. Just like a still yeah. of a dude near a cow would have been enough mm-hmm. for me. Um, Look at this photograph. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just wanted to Nickelback. <laughs> That's all I want. Uh, I thought it was just a bizarre game. I thought that it I thought that it was hell. like I thought that it looked weird as well. Hell, every single line was just the mo- the worst voice acting that you could possibly do in a modern Final Fantasy game, uh, and and just sort of the worst sort of localization of it all, um, and also just the weirdest fucking squad like they all seem like they're from a different final fantasy game like none of them have the same aesthetic or vibe like it's just 
everything about it looks slapped together like a joke yeah um, it's, well, it's and, and, and like i kind of i'll play a joke dark souls game <laughs> yeah i think it's isn't it the original villain from the first game <laughs> it's so stupid and kind of dumb on its face that i kind of want to approach it in a way i don't know um but literally the ps5 demo just released so i will be streaming that sometime oh, i'll try and test that uh, this week so we can talk about it next week I'd love to love to talk more about that chaos. There was a few other things though um, that got announced uh, during the Square Enix thing. Um, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, how do we feel? Uh, looked looked like trash, kinda. I thought. I thought it looked like a, a late PS3 yeah. game. Totally. Uh, and also, it's like the P, it's the people who made uh, uh, like the Deus Ex games, which, to my knowledge, are relatively beloved. At least the first one was the what I call. It? human revolution or mm. something and now just doing this like lame ass guardians of the galaxy game where yeah. you don't even play as all of them you only play as chris pratt like i don't know i i, I don't know i think it's gonna well, do you switch between them no I, th- I think it said play as star lord really and you only i i, I mean you could look it up i feel like the i feel like almost all the footage i remember was like the gameplay was playing as you star make lord. a guardians of the galaxy game and you can never be the raccoon you hey, can look never it up. play as again Groot. as i said earlier <laughs> yeah, don't take my word be, on it that would be unbelievable but now, but now that michael says it i didn't see a single shot of you being like using groot arms to hit someone or anything like it was just star lord doing ps3 what the fuck oh no he might be right no dude again uh, marvel you play that, as star lord peter quill but other members of the guardians are always by oh, your side the- and can be utilized in combat no you just call them to do specific moves you're yeah. always the star lord that's, that's crazy trash. yeah get the fuck out of here we'll get to it shortly but it's also coming to switch day one uh see yeah 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 you know i Everything's Marvel now. I think they're doing a Marvel XCOM of some kind. Uh, they had the Marvel like <laughs> game of service this thing. This should be Marvel XCOM. I, I don't know. I don't know. There was also Marvel's Avengers. There was also uh, a, a DLC for Marvel's Avengers where they added Black Panther in the DLC War for Wakanda, the game that 500 people play. That game is already is- on PS Now. It's going to be on PS Now for like, it was on yeah. PS Now like six months after it came out. God damn it. I paid full price for that, that game, boys. That game is one of the biggest sort of game game victims of games aren't finished at release anymore of anything. Because I think that a fully finished version of that game when it first came out would have been a looter shooter with like Destiny style like growth and popularity. But it was way too shallow when it came out. It didn't give you nearly enough to do or enough shit to play with. And so then it came out and everyone just got bored of it because there wasn't enough in there. If they'd given you a fully built game when it came out, I think it would have been super fucking popular because the mechanics are totally. good and it looks fun. But just like it was so fucking like I bought it day one, too, because we were both fucking excited about playing it. And both of us kind of burned out on it pretty fucking quick because it was just like it's not a lot of there there. Also, it's a yeah. mistake. Yeah, it, some of it played real nice, though. I just wish there was more there there. Um, but so that was the end of the uh, Xbox Bethesda and Square Enix and, and Square Enix and Summerfest and everything there. And so then there was a day that was just Capcom that I didn't even watch um, because why are they allowed to have a day? I don't, I don't what is going on there literally the only thing that wasn't like here's some stuff that's coming to games you already have is that they're doing a monster hunter stories and they're bringing great ace attorney to the west which is exciting okay great ace attorney coming is exciting because like 
The Phoenix Wright games are fun. Those like mystery solving games are fun. But like this isn't. Come on. <laughs> come on. You don't get a day. You don't I'm get sorry. a fucking day. If I don't get Final Fantasy 16, great, the great attorney does not get a day. You don't get my day. You don't take my day. Uh, so everyone was kind of left in this weird feeling because there was this sort of this sort of fan buzz higher from the game pass in the center. You know, the show started off strong with Elden Ring and there was some little buzz from Game Pass and Xbox. Star, and things the were Starfield just leak got people excited. Yeah, things were starting to fizzle out, though. People were unsure if this was an E3 to remember. But then people felt like Nintendo, which just happened a couple hours ago, really people said it saved the conference. Did you see it, Lux? I saw some of it. I mean, that was deeply at work, but I saw some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the parts you think I saw for sure. OK, cool. Um, so. We'll see if it saved the conference. So it started with a Super Smash Bros. character. Love it. Uh, it started with uh, Kazuya Mishima from Tekken. Yep. Uh, and I actually, while I am, you know, my my thoughts on Smash Bros. are well documented and we will not get into them here. Um, I enjoyed this intro because it literally had Kazuya kill half the roster on Super Smash Bros. and throw their bodies off of a cliff yeah because of your rules um uh kirby kirby was alive when he when he dropped kirby kirby was was not dead that's because yeah kirby kirby floated away because kirby's op yeah um but you know i like that it had a lot of meme potential now people are are using it as, as a meme and it's great i thought it was solid if it becomes a meme i think it's okay um you know, Guardians of the Galaxy also coming to Switch. So, like, if you think that it looks too good in its late PS3 state, you can see it somewhere around the late PS2 state on the Nintendo Switch, um, which Bring would be that super frame cool. rate down. <laughs> uh, Daddy likes 20- it at 24. <laughs> Lower, please. Lower. I'll say when. I'll say when. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a 20th anniversary from super monkey ball collection anyone ever fuck with super monkey oh, ball fucking, back in the yeah, day dude. i don't think so <laughs> super monkey ball is about a monkey and a ball um it's very old to the point where it, it would be probably fascinating to play for a second but not something i would want to play for more than 20 minutes it was like a fun little weirdo puzzler i liked it i had fun yeah um, um as a child there's that um, and then there was something that kind of was cool, but also frustrated me. And it's called Mario Party Superstars. OK, go on, because I thought this looked pretty fun. OK, so basically what Mario Party Superstars is, is it's a collection and amalgamation of a bunch of the different older Mario parties put together, which is great. And it has all these features about how to play online and play with friends and stuff like that. And it's like a bunch of maps. And I was like, great. What happened with the Mario Party you released like two and a half years ago? Like what happened there? Why did you just abandon us? You released like three maps and it didn't even have online at the beginning. You had, you guys just added online like a month ago. And it's just like it's frustrating that I feel like I have to buy the game again. Like, because I'm like, because the, they didn't make the game the first time. Yeah, it, that's fair. I mean, I I wonder if it's like infrastructural, like data, like system build shit where it was like, it just does like it didn't work to add on the way they thought it was going to work to add on to that game. And they just had to be like, oh, and like bail because like it, there's, that's like the only explanation I can think of because they did get like 
the first, like the three or four maps they gave us in the first Mario Party, the mini games in the first Switch Mario Party, were like fucking fun. Like they were fun to play with buds mm-hmm. in a room, and it was just like I need like Avengers was like I need more there there, and it just never came. Mm-hmm. And I need yeah, all my I, multiplayer. I was left with this confused. I mean, I played a little bit of Mario Party. I remember being pretty underwhelmed. I was left confused with this if it was an expansion. If it was like a remaster of other stuff, I was very confused to what exactly if it was just a straight up Mario Party 2. I, I I was very confused of what this was. And I was so burned on the last Mario Party that I feel like I, I was just already out once I said Mario Party. Damn. No more Mario Party ever again. That's how much they hurt you. I don't know. Damn. Fool me wow, once, okay. shame on me. The only one I ever played Fool growing up was the original. Like, I think this one, they're like, oh, they have all these levels from all the Mario parties. It's like, well, if they're not from the first one, I, 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 I ain't doing much caring about the Mario Party levels. Uh, well, Live Bloodborne. Like, well, let me now. pitch you. Let me pitch you an inverse perspective. Let me pitch you an inverse perspective. That means that you could play all of the best Mario Party maps ever made for the first time. Which is like, like that's a pretty good. That's like just seems like a good thing to me. But how many Mario? How many are they gonna put in? Like, th- like the last time it was like three. I mean, who can say? You know, yeah. that's just that's the dice that you're rolling your dice with Nintendo, baby. Four, four <laughs> this time. <laughs> um, four, four, four. <laughs> so then we had a game that they showed that got people very excited called Metroid Dread, a new Metroid game for the Nintendo Switch, 2D. Um, what do we think, boys? Awesome. Yeah, that kind of kind of cool. I've never played one of those games before. Uh, it looked like I watched Griffin play a lot of Hollow Knight uh, living with him, and it looked a lot like Hollow Knight to me uh, mechanically, but again, I don't really know. But yeah, it looked cool. It looked fun. Exciting. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think that when you make a game like Metroid, right, that is like puts the Metroid in Metroidvania and you've seen the Metroidvania genre get evolved in ways like Hollow Knight, other stuff like that over time. It's really exciting to see them go back to the original franchise and see if they can sort of elaborate on the new stuff and incorporate the old stuff and like can they make a, and, a Metroid that fits like the modern standards and, and, that, and Lux is right that is the question and I'm not sure if that trailer answered that question for me because you know I was stuck looking at that and being like okay look I, I, I could maybe be fun but it didn't look as good as Hollow Knight like like it, like like Hollow Knight has these beautiful animation and this movement and um like this kind of like I don't know it it just felt like it looked like a kind of older game yeah like, I, I kind of liked the like, space retro kind of like older look to it but yeah it did I mean, it did have that look maybe they can breathe some freshness into it but to me it it it, it did it felt like I was like all the games that have been clearly so inspired by Metroid are just better now and it's like what will they be able to prove that they can still be relevant right yeah you wonder if this is sort of like the guy there was that guy who made resident evil 4 which like changed how shooters are made forever and then his next game was just resident evil 4 again even though like dozens of games had taken that formula and made it way better and it was just like well this sucks um, right. And you wonder if that's what's going to happen with Metroid. I hope it's not. I thought it looked cool and it looked fun. But I, I, I the, the one thing about trailers for those games is that like those games are so like feel based. Yes. Uh, totally. That it's really hard to tell from a trailer anything about that, how good a, they'll that, be. To that's play. a good point. That's um, such a good point with those kind of like, games. Rhythm and, and like how like in movement and like how like how that all checks out and like getting around. And like so if it moves smooth, I think that'll be really fun. If it moves drop blocky, it won't. And who fucking knows until we yeah. play it. I'll let Adam Dietz play it first. He like post about it 55 times. And I think I saw that like that Metroid Prime or whatever, Metroid Dread or whatever. I think I saw it was like announced in 2004 or something like that. 
like this is a title they announced like 17 years ago or something and then went like radio silent until now hell yeah so i don't know Looks, looks i like cool. that kind of fun. style i bet people will like it i, I like that release style that, that's that's preferable to me um, so there was also speaking of, uh, you know, style, uh, WarioWare, get it together. Hell yeah. Um, honestly, I was thinking and hoping for more of like a Wario land or like some sort of 3d Wario game or something would be cool. This just felt kind of like, eh, it just seems like a weird kind of fucking game. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a game for like the Nintendo 3ds or something. No, it's good. There was WarioWare Shake It on the Wii that I played like an insane amount of. That's just I think it's a much more fun party game to something like Mario Party. because It's so quick and fast and absurd. And you're not you're more on your feet. Uh, You're more on your toes while you have to do all this shit. And I think it's really great. It's a lot of fun. It's a great sense of like absurdist humor. Uh, This one seems like it's actually incorporating Wario more than that one did. Uh, I'm all in on this. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, WarioWares are so fun. I think it'll be cool. Nice. Okay, cool. All right. Well, then, you know what? Fine. I'm all in, too. Count me in, guys. Don't leave me out. WarioWare <laughs> Game Show E3. You heard it here first. Mm. All right, we called it right there. Disconcur. Uh, we'll get to mine. Without, I mean, we all know. Now, now Lux can go off for his Disconcur uh, with Shimogami Tensei 5 oh, coming out November so 12th. fucking good. What is this? So I, did, I, did not know, I did not know what this is, but people looked, were reacting like this is crazy news. So fucking sick. Um, so Shimogami Tensei is a series of games that includes like the Persona series, the uh, Devil Summoner. Um, their digital devil summoner saga, bunch of other games like that. The basic premise of all of these games sort of being that you, for some reason or another, have access to these demons and angels and weird sort of, uh, extra planar beings. And you kind of Pokemon around getting them and they give you bonuses and powers and you use them in fights. And it's like JRPG turn-based weakness calibrated combat. But the two big things about it is that they're all the, the Shimigami Tensei games in particular are very dark and very weird. Um, and often have like really wildly misappropriated biblical symbolism, um, which is for me incredible. I love that shit. Um, and this one just looked sweet. Like the graphics looked awesome. The story of like you get transported to like alternate Tokyo and merge the weird monster to become like a demi fiend again, like you do in Nocturne um, is really fucking awesome to me. Yeah, yeah, I was struck by it was funny because I was like, okay, it looks like literally just exactly like all the other Persona games I've played. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it just like it is funny how they like the, the trailer for it was like, yeah, I know you use the weaknesses on them. Like, yeah, I was, I don't know, it, it was funny. They're like was, showing me all the mechanics that we've played for so long. It had this vibe <laughs> that was like Persona 5 has been as popular as it's been for so long. And the Nocturne remake came out that they were like expecting a bunch of new people to watch this. And like uh, to do sense. it, and so it felt it felt like very much a trailer for people who haven't played Shin Megami Tensei games before. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a really good point, and that's fine. I just thought it looked awesome. Like it, I it visually looked really good, yeah. and I'm shocked that this is a Switch exclusive. I think so, because um, it it looks like way better than like the the open world parts of it when they're running around look way better than like Monster Hunter Rise's open yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, it looks way better than the Nocturne remaster. Like I just sort of assumed it was going to look like the Nocturne remaster, and it looks that'll be so a very sick ass game to have on the Switch. Just yeah. a long ass RPG like that that looks really good. And I think like, it's, you can't get better. Than and I think that. it's gonna be really fun. Like it's. I, one thing about the SMT games that's fun is they kind of 
shift the balances of how powerful you are versus your demons, like how team structure works and like all that kind of stuff. So I'm wondering where this lands and how powerful you are. Also, I love the negotiation system in SMT versus Persona because Persona is just like you talk to them and sometimes they answer your questions, sometimes they don't. Shimigami Tensei, they're like, give me some money. And if you say yes, then maybe they'll join you or maybe they'll ask for more money or an item or some of your health. Or maybe if you say no, they'll join you because you look tough. And it's a much more intricate negotiation system. Um, and I'm glad that like, people are always asking for some of my health and I'm always just like, no, I I'm practicing self care right yeah, now. It's so funny early in the game when you're like not very strong. Often they're like, give me some of your health and you do. And they're like, oh, gross. This, your health sucks. You're a pathetic baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, obviously I went into this. It looks great. I went into this with like mega high expectations and like I felt like they were met, um, which is pretty rare for E3. Um so in that respect, it was, for me, E3 was like started strong, ended strong. The middle was like a long nap. Um, and I don't think anything we for talked sure. about super, super changes that perception from my end. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and but like Nintendo had just enough like bangers to really make it feel like like a nice finale fireworks yeah. show because it had that, which we're very excited for. It brought on some more other weird games like Danganronpa and Fatal Frame, which is such a weird yeah, game. Yeah, two uh, classics, but two very weird classics. Yeah, Fatal Frame is like basically a Pokemon snap if it was like a horror game about taking pictures of ghosts. Yep, and Danganronpa is um, a game about high school students uh, solving murders and sentencing each other to death. Yeah, um, there's a Zelda-themed little game thing that's like a little square where you can play old Zelda games. I'm like, I don't care. Uh, they'll probably all sell it right away. They showed a little bit more of Skyward Sword, and then they capped off the conference with Breath of the Wild 2, baby. Look good. And how can we complain about this? How can we complain about this E3 when we get Breath of the Wild 2, Elden Ring, Shin Megami Tensei? I mean, there's just enough hits in here. Enough for me. I'm not greedy, okay? Yeah. I mean, it's weird, right? It's The weirdest thing and my biggest takeaway from E3 um is we went into this thinking i think both you and i that this was sort of going to be the all right now it's time for the big boys to come play xbox ps5 flex like let's like let's get in the mix and fucking switch continues to just be the king of all the shit like it didn't fucking matter like ps5 came out xbox came out they had they got their chance to show off all their cool toys and like, they need the power now. They need the bigger switch now because they keep on being big competitors now. They like keep on getting big games. Yeah. And so suddenly like it does. It, but yeah, like exactly. It's like switch fucking flexed on them again. Like we really thought this was going to be this reassertion of like processing power and big machines take going back in charge of everything. But it wasn't like at the end, like like we talked about, like switch had three. And then we didn't even talk about the fucking Mario Golf game that looks great. Like switch had several fucking heater fucking titles and everyone else had like maybe one and it's like my big takeaway is that like fucking nintendo nintendo's top dog right now like and it's hard to argue otherwise which is a pretty crazy which is not what i would have thought for the year after two next gen releases from other companies yeah it is it is wild um and i guess it's simply because they are like in the prime cycle of their of their console because they just don't they're just their, their console's aren't lined up. So like maybe if the switch had come out at the same time as PS five and Xbox, they would be in like a similar position where it's like, Oh, they just had one game to play on it or whatever. They're just on a different timeline. It yeah. seems like, yeah, it just really felt like it was like, it was one of those things where like 
like uh you meet one of the like two bad guys in a shonen anime and then like goku just punches them both to death in like two seconds and moves on like that was kind of the vibe <laughs> like it was just like totally. xbox and playstation are here oh no like like all right and then yeah. nintendo flex like it was wild it was very cool to me um michael what was your what were your big thoughts your your final e3 thoughts before we get to griffin's grand takeaways my main takeaway was less about this specific e3 but more about e3 in general and i think pretty much how i mean it makes sense it's not going to be as big or crazy as it ever was because they've seems like they've lost ea permanently and they probably lost playstation permanently those two companies seem like they just do their own thing now but I used to always think, I used to get so confused when these, you know, in the early 2010s, every year at E3, these companies would make these massive sweeping announcements, not show like, anything about the game. It's these crazy announcements, crazy reveals. And then not only would the stuff be like years and years away, but also they, they the case of something like Watchdogs, they'd build like this insane hype that's never going to be uh, fulfilled. And then they're just left with, oh, no one gives a shit about watchdogs anymore. People make fun of it. And it seems like this year in particular, they've really scaled that. If you're hyped for watchdogs, you deserve to be fooled. Yeah, if you're if you're riding or dying with watchdogs, I don't know what to tell you. You came to the wrong podcast. But uh this year especially, it seemed like there wasn't that much like insane stuff. I mean, Avatar looked like relatively far along. I guess maybe that like Redfall and and, and, and Starfield both seem like they kind of are probably a ways away in their big reveals. But we already knew Starfield. It seems like they're moving. You're not getting as much about the, the Outer Worlds, right? You're not getting as much stuff like that where it's just we're announcing this really hyped game is going to come out. You're getting more like grounded stuff and I stuff that's going to be soon and stuff that's more tangible. And I find myself surprisingly, ironically, Missing the old days when it's all this bombast and all this, this crazy thing is coming and this crazy thing is coming. This is all it's years. We don't know what it's going to be, but it's all coming. I just felt way more bored than I usually do. So my takeaway is EA, it's more exciting when they're a lot more uh, irresponsible with their reveals. Yeah, I think that sounds I think that sounds about right. Griffin. You're the big E3 daddy. Take us home. What's what was your big takeaway from this whole rigmarole? Oh, I was going to I was going to respond a little bit to what Michael was saying, but I guess we're ending the episode. I mean, E3 no, was great. part of your no, sign off. We're, we're, You're uh, well, a big boy. You can combine two thoughts into one thing. I, I think that Michael is uh, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know. I, I forgot. Uh, Must have been. A, that means it was a good argument. You already forgot it. E3, E3 was cool. Um, games were good. Uh, Game Pass, I'm not sold on it. Um, I mean, Breath of the Wild 2, uh, can't complain. Elden Ring, I'm I'm happy. Um, I think that, oh, now I remember what I was going to say about Michael. It's like none of, every E3 from here on out is going to be diminishing returns because games are being released in different ways now. Um, and so, yeah, you're not going to get that that's that same thing you might see that same hype happen just on twitter now or something like that maybe it won't happen in a stadium but it probably should happen in a stadium yeah every announcement um and maybe we can collectively get back to that at some point but right now it just seems like everyone is doing their own i don't want to go back to it but when they announced that like keanu reeves was in cyberpunk and keanu reeves walks out it was pretty electric 
I feel like we don't get, we're getting like less and less of that type of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. We need to put like Sean Bean in more games. Like, yeah, we just need to get back to that. Whatever that is. I think generally agree more Sean Bean in games. Um, well, looks like we're all happy with E3. We all learned a lot about all these games that are coming out. What a time. What a long episode. Um, Griffin, or actually, Michael, you're the guest. Why don't you, you don't have anything you want to plug really quickly while I go grab my computer charger? Uh, nothing really to plug. I'm just vibing. If you need me, uh, just contact Griffin. He's my agent. He's my manager. He's my coach. I'd like to plug my, uh, Lux's, uh, Lux's laptop into his, into his laptop so that he wouldn't rush the end of the episode sometimes. Yeah, that's a good plug. on a battery. Did you feel rushed, Michael? I felt a little rushed. I didn't feel rushed, but I'm just happy to be here. I was like, whoa, 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 where are we? We're already at the end of E3. I don't want it to end. Did you beat Breath of the Wild, Michael? No, I actually, I was going to mention that. Uh, I've been playing Breath of the Wild for about three years, and I am on the third the third mm-hmm. uh, dungeon, the third uh, big Titan guy. Uh, I it's I completely understand why people like it. It is just not really my thing. And I hope Damn. that's okay to say. It should Sorry be okay to say. In 2021, no. it should be okay to say. But who knows? It's easier to say that at the end of the episode because it's more cuttable. Yeah. Harder but harder when it's baked right into the center. Yeah, if I had said it right in the middle when we were talking about Breath of the Wild 2, I would have been just, everyone would have turned it off. Do you see that lady who was like, I have information about Fox News that I will be reporting tomorrow. And she said that like on air on Fox <laughs> oh. News. Oh my God. Yeah. That shit was crazy. The project. Well, no Veritas one knows, but everyone's like, this is a big yeah, deal. She was out of control <laughs> in a heat, the Houston Fox. She said it yesterday that she's dropping big news. And, and, and she's like, I haven't, I've been secretly recording Fox news meetings and I'm going to release them, uh, tomorrow. And, and it was like, what about what media meetings about what? <laughs> That's going to be the, uh, final fantasy 16, uh, <laughs> gameplay look. Yeah. Oh, that would be incredible. <laughs> it was like, it, it, but she was also standing in front of a sweating man that was like sweating a lot. And then she was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to release the Fox news. And then she immediately went back to reporting, turned around. and was like, so sir, it's pretty hot here, huh? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> pretty incredible stuff, man. You got to watch local Texas Fox news. If you want the real crazy shit. Um, that's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Yeah. Anyways, Michael, thanks for ha- thanks for coming on. Lux, you got anything? Uh, yeah, um, there's some wisecrack stuff. You guys should check it out. We got a lot of fun wisecrack stuff coming in, in the pipeline. Uh, also, I think starting next week or the week after, friend of the show, Forrest Walker and I are going to be starting our either Stream Megami Tensei or Shin Megami Ten stream, where we try and stream as much of the old Shin Megami Tensei games as possible before the release of number five. That I think will be on on Twitch at I think twitch.tv slash Forrest G Walker. Um, so come check that out. Maybe I'll bug Griffin to come hang out with us sometime and you can enjoy that present, his presence or stuff like that. And also make sure to check out Haley on uh, Instagram and YouTube at eat every sound and on the memory Static podcast where she appears sometimes they will be paying me to appear. Uh, it's not of my own volition. If anyone's wondering why I show, if I show up on the stream and when, yeah, no, I'll have to trick Griffin. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll have to, it'll involve an elaborate ruse. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, E3. Um, maybe consider adding a fourth E. We need to turn this shit up a notch. Okay. Electronics Entertainment Expo Extreme. 
extreme. We need to stop this. Sh- we need we need bloodshed. Michael's right. Oh, yeah. Imagine if Todd Howard had to fight like Ken Levine with swords. There we go. And then. Oh, that would be incredible. And then and then, and then it's like, oh, and then also we need the, we need console executives to fight for exclusive rights to an IP. So it's like, boom, like Activision, Ubisoft, like they're all in the ring for Master Chief. Imagine. Like imagine a yearly draft where like every yeah. IP that was going to release that year. People have to fight for like, them. Oh, I didn't fight. It's just like they just pick and it's just like the tension where it's like, all right, fucking Microsoft. I'll trade you the fifth and the 12th pick for fucking Elder Scrolls. Um, yeah. You know, like that. Oh, my God. Fucking it would be awesome. I would. We could. Yeah, live, it would be the coolest thing ever to be like fucking E3 draft analysts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just have you watch your creative vision just be churned out by different soulless corporate ghouls. Well, Incredible. In, my, in my vision of it, it's like they make the game. It's like a distribution thing. Oh, okay. Well, you, I liked it when they killed each other. Anyway, bye guys. (laughs)